Hello, my name's Gregory Wilker. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Live with Greg. Today is November 17th, 2019, and last night I learned that my podcast had way exceeded the resources I have to keep it alive as a video podcast. So I am actively working to move it to an audio podcast. The video is still available on my website, gregorywoker.com, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Live with Greg. Thanks for your support. here with another episode of Live with Greg. I'm here with my brother, Aaron Wilker. Yes. <laughs> Say I'm a little disappointed. Got to talk to my agent. I was under the impression I was going to be with Dr. Sheldon Cooper doing fun with flags. And here I am with you, so... That's on the other side of the bridge. <laughs> the other side of the state. <laughs> what? Caltech. I was ripping the yell out of the word. Oh. <laughs> Caltech? Yes. What do they do? Fun with flags? It's... Oh, the video that's on YouTube? It's the Big Bang's theory. That takes place in Caltech, in Pasadena. Yes. We went to school right across from there. We went to the school that was the original campus for Caltech before they built what is now Caltech. Yes. That school doesn't exist anymore? Polytechnic is still there. But it, Polytechnic was the original campus for Caltech. Oh, really? Yes. And then they moved across the street into mm-hmm. that bigger... Correct. Bigger campus. Multiple buildings. I only remember one building. That's because that's all we ever saw <laughs> as we drove into the parking lot of our school. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. All right. What would you like to discuss today, brother? Hey, brother. <laughs> Love. Shiny and new. (laughs) Come aboard. (laughs) Wow, we are going back to the (laughs) seventies. We we digress. (laughs) Do you watch uh, South Park? Of course. The member grapes. Member, you know, like the. Member. Yes. Of course. I was thinking about um, today, like I remember fairly recently when on the phone I was talking with you and I said, I love you. And I felt uncomfortable in saying it. And I realized that though like this book, who's the guy that you keep telling me to read his book and I've started? Don Miguel Ruiz. Don Miguel Ruiz, right. And it's about love and having that in your life. I thought here you and I both are engaged in this process of life and bringing more love, more of our spirit into it. And I was thinking, and 
it's uncomfortable for me to say I love you to you. It's just recently I heard it from you and thinking that that's so interesting to me that to, that I can be engaged and this is important to me and yet there's a challenge for me to just speak it as though like, yeah, I love you. So I give it lots of thought sometimes with my own children, especially my sons. Um, our dad said it a lot to us. Um, and, you know, some, from the time that he's passed away, which is, what, 25 plus years now? Um to today, I cannot listen to the cats in the cradle without tears coming to my eyes because that was the relationship I had with our father. Um, I would come home, he would say, hey, let's go do this, and I'd say, yeah, let's go do this, and then we'd do that, and I'd be like, okay, Dad, give me the car keys. But Dad would always say, I love you. Um don't know if he knew that from me. So I try to tell my boys that I love them um, when we're having conversations. But to your point, it comes out like, hey, I love you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dad. Love you, too. <laughs> Great. All right. We got that. We're good. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, right, you know, that sincerity of it... Um, I think actions speak better. I think, you know, and then there's all you need is love. <laughs> love is all you need. <laughs> right? Right. And I, I believe communication is an important part of our daily life. Correct. So to incorporate that into our communication, to me, in my experience, strengthens it. And part of the strengthening of it is bringing up any barriers and uncomfortableness in the way of it existing. Yeah. Right. I can easily have multiple conversations about different topics with different people try to have that type of conversation with my wife or somebody very close to me is very difficult. And communication is a huge part of a happy life. Maybe there's more at risk. Well, yeah, of course. Right. Maybe I assume, rather than communicate, I reflect my own assumptions, and therefore I know the answer, and what, that's not real. That's, not, that's my reality, not their reality or her reality. I need to communicate and find out what is that reality for them. Don Miguel Ruiz. <laughs> <laughs>
right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he talks or he writes that a relationship is two parts. You know, there's in a two-person relationship, there's two parts. You know, person A and person B. You're person B, I'm person A. We have a relationship. My reality is my part. Your reality is your part. I cannot control your reality. Your reality is your reality, not mine. So, in this relationship, what do I worry about? I don't worry about your reality. I worry about what is real for me. If I want to know what is your reality, I will ask you, what is your reality? And it's up to me to decide what I do next. You may like it, you may not. That's your reality. And what pops into my mind is imagining that people can use that statement as an excuse to check out. And that's where you see a dead relationship that's just right. like, you know, like it's right. a dead shark that and isn't moving. Right. And they made that choice. That mosquito. Right there. Yeah. Because I'm a sweet person. Mosquitoes love me. Right. Right. That is a choice. Thing. Yeah, and you know, you know this because I joke about it all the time. And my wife says that lightning will be striking me sometime soon. Is that um, I, I'm God? I created myself in my own image. And you know, to our religious loving people, I get the sacrilegiousness of that, but. I will say that in my life today, sitting right here, right now, every choice I have made in my life has brought me right here, right now, to this moment. Therefore, I have created myself in my own image. And there is a piece of God in each and every one of us. Having been brought up in a Judeo-Catholic household where our mother was Roman Catholic, our father was Orthodox Jewish, and being brought up in both religions, um, I believe in a higher power. I believe in the force. May the force be with you. Um, (laughs) 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 Peace, live long and prosper. Um, Party on, dude. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Be excellent to everybody. Always. And party on. Party on. Yeah. Right. There's so many. Um, So that's, you know, love um, is there. You choose to express it or not. Verbally, physically, whatever. What comes to mind in our relationship and in our family like talking of our dad um, don't talk about I mean <laughs> this has come up in conversations I've had with people because I was beat up by our dad yeah I saw that and I'm really clear now that's not who he was 
Like if I wanted to concentrate on those moments and create who he was from just those moments, then, like you're saying, I'll be living a different path, a different moment. That's not who he was. He was also the guy who, when I was a mess in second grade, came and said, hey, today is your day, whatever you want to do. And he did it. He followed through. He even taken me to McDonald's, which I know he hated in his heart. <laughs> but it wasn't even like... He, he didn't try to second-guess me out of it or, you know, right. dissuade me. Or. He managed your baseball team. He was a scout leader for both you and I. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Huh? And like in our relationship, I imagine if you think and you remember who I was when we were growing up, like, you're the fucker who stole my cool Mexican bat and then bashed me in the head when I tried to get it back with you. Yeah, it was an accident, but it was a dick move to take it in the first place. And that's certainly the lesser of many dick moves you could come up with. Yeah, well, you know. We would have a different relationship if that was what you put your emphasis of memory on. Right. You know, I split your eye open one night. <laughs> you know, one night. Fuck coming. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, that's like it. I think I'm lucky that I had you and Leah as older siblings because dad had a line and you chose to get in a car and gun it and go <laughs> up a ramp and over that line as far as you could. Leah would step over the line and I knew exactly where that line was because of you too. So I was able to tow that line. You know, I never wrecked dad's car. I never wrecked mom's car. If I borrowed one of their cars, it came back vacuumed and washed. And there was, I'll never forget, you know, when mom and dad separated, I stayed and lived with dad while I finished up high school. I was a junior or a senior in high school. Dad was doing a lot of traveling. I think he was in Japan or France or something like that. And uh, calls me on a Wednesday evening, see how things are going. And I'm like, you know, it's great, Dad. He's like, what are you up to? I said, well, I'm packing. It's Wednesday. He's all packing? Where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to go to Southern California for the weekend. He's like, ah, when are you leaving? I said, tonight, about midnight. So, on school? I go, well... Friday's a half day. There's really nothing going on Friday, so Friday doesn't matter. Tomorrow, Thursday, there's nothing really happening. I don't have any tests or anything like that, so school's not a big deal. He's like, okay, I still think you should go to school. I'm going, yeah, but, you know, this way I get down there and I've got more time at the beach. He's like, well, how are you getting there? You're not driving your car. I go, no, I'm not driving my car. I'm driving your car. So, well, I really wish you wouldn't. I'm like, well, you're in France. I don't think you can stop me. <laughs> you know? He's like, yeah, you're right. I can't, but I don't want you to. I go, I know that, but I'm going to. So don't worry. I'll be safe. <laughs> and, you know, so he knew I wasn't going to wreck his car. So as much as he didn't want me to do it, he knew there was nothing he could do about it. And when he got home, the car would be washed and cleaned in full tank of gas. That's really good. Yeah. I wish I was wise enough to do that. <laughs> I had no consideration. 
Yeah, yeah we were <laughs> um, Monday night, a bunch of us from Hayward High School got together down in Hayward, and uh, Toast was there. And we were talking about the time you and he and maybe somebody else wrecked his parents' Mercedes. Um, I remember that. <laughs> and, and, and I said, yeah. I said, I, you know, we have the diesel Mercedes. And I said, I'll never forget my brother driving in the rain one night, going up La Mesa, making the turn onto El Portel. And then that immediate left turn where Bobby Sandu used to live and it's raining, and you thought it was a Porsche or a Ferrari rather than a diesel Mercedes. It just slid right into the curb, and we're driving home with the steering wheels like this. Hi, yeah. hey, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. I'm going to the view, and I just put it up. Oh, come on. Then. Come on through, Candy. How are you? Hi. 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 Oh, should I screw it up? No, you didn't screw it up. Oh, aren't you filming? We are. We are. This is life. This is life, okay. But I'll be careful on the cord. It'll be easier to go that way. I know. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be in it now. Yeah. <laughs> this is our sponsor. Yeah. Candy, Mama's Royal Cafe, oh downtown Mill Valley. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Thank you. Oh. Oh. So, I never did that. No. Oh. I said, I was very lucky. I had you two to show me. Yeah, I do wonder what, like, in my DNA had that, like... Well, let's, oh. ta let's talk about our mom, because I'm pretty sure that came from mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about our mom. Yeah, you yeah, know, mom, oldest of four kids, the only girl growing up on a farm. She charged ahead in life in her way, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think about that to her youth and how I'm, I've even heard it from her that on a farm, you want your firstborn to be a boy, so they're going to help you with the farm work. And there's our mom. <laughs> and she was damned and determined to show that she could just do whatever was needed and then 20 I, times that. Right, I'm pretty certain <clears throat> that she probably kicked the crap out of her three younger brothers at one time. Think so? I don't, I don't know if that was. I don't know, but I think I think today she still could. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I didn't, did not know, I just found out recently, um, you know, she was a stewardess. She flew for United. And I thought she was a stewardess before she became a nurse. And the reality is, is that now she became a nurse. And the only reason she became a stewardess is because at the time, they had to have a nurse oh, on, really? on each flight. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, so... Oh, those days are gone. Yeah. Although, the trip that my wife and I just took to Italy... Somebody passed out as we were flying over the Atlantic Ocean at the restrooms, and you know they're calling for medical help. You know the the staff was very quick on getting there, but then they were also asking 
if there was a doctor or somebody of medical knowledge. Yeah. So, so it didn't seem like they were, any one of them was a nurse? No, did not seem that way. Uh, that seems like a regulation that would have been wise to keep. Yeah, yeah I don't know if it is or not. I mean, uh, so they, were, they were asking. Yeah, so I just found that out. That's pretty good. And then, you know, mom's, the only other story I know about mom when she was a Sturtis <clears throat> is flying from San Francisco to Fresno, and you know, on a prop engine plane, and they called it the Vomit Comet. Damn. We'll just stop right there. <laughs> that reminds me of an airplane story I heard. It's so damn funny. But for the person who experienced it, it's, they don't fly anymore because of it. Really? Yeah, it was from San Francisco to Reno, I think, or Oakland, Reno. I've flown into Reno once. Was it an experience? No. It was wintertime. It wasn't bad. This is years ago. Yeah. If I knew the story by heart, I'd tell it to you, but I could not do justice. To it. It's one of those stories where it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, a friend of mine that I grew up with in Southern California, um, he and Kirk grew up together. You know, his, Their fathers were best friends, and so Mark was always around, so you know, I grew up with Mark. Um, flew F-15s in the Air Force and was retired a colonel and now flies part-time for Delta. And so Kirk was asking him, you know, what's the difference between flying for the military and flying for commercial? <clears throat> and Mark says the first time you sit in the seat in a commercial airline and you look back and you suddenly realize there's 300 and something people that you are responsible for. Is a that's kind of scary. Because uh, we're in F-15, you're you know. If anyone's going, it's you. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like being a dad. There's this element of like, <clears throat> oh, now. Like, if it was up to me, I'd just go homeless. Like, all right, I, I failed. Sorry. <laughs> and now. Yeah, um, many, many, many years ago. Um... I was working nights in Stockton, <clears throat> and we were working 16, 18 hours, and I would get off work, you know, four or five in the morning and have to sit in the commute traffic coming into the Bay Area. And there were many times where I'd call Jennifer and go, look, I'm staying at a hotel, I just, I can't make it, or I would pull off the road in Tracy and sleep on the side of the road. Um, and there were a lot of times where on the weekends on my day off or something, <clears throat> we'd be driving somewhere and Jennifer would, like, your eyes had better be open behind those sunglasses. Because I was very good at sleeping while I drove. <clears throat> so going to work one day, and I had a meeting with our regional VP, and pour myself a cup of coffee, put it in my travel cup, travel cup in my car, get in the car, 
Um, you know, I live in a rural area, so I'm driving up this rural road past Lawrence Livermore Lab, um, and some guy, a courier, you know, memos had thrown his, something had happened, but all these memos are flying all over the road. There's a cement truck, a mixer in front of me, and I'm like watching this guy, and then I'm like, whatever, and so, you know, keep going. <clears throat> and I woke up in time to see this massive gray mass in front of me and this red blinking light because the cement truck had stopped and it was going to make a left turn into his yard. And I woke up just enough time to crank the wheel to the left and just took out the truck with the right side of my car. And it was a Buick LeSabre at the time. So it was a big car. Um, I moved the cement truck. I mean, the skid marks of the cement truck, because it was stopped, was about three and a half feet. Um, just, you know, crumpled the engine of my car, and airbag goes off, and there's powder from the airbag and everything flying everywhere. And I get out of the car, I get my cup of coffee. I'm about to drink it and realize there's powder all over it and go, yeah, I'm not drinking that. Um, you know, people are coming out of the cement yard. Are you okay? You know, yeah, I'm fine. So can I borrow your phone? So call AAA to take care of the car. Call my boss to let him know, to let the regional VP know, hey, look, I'm going to be late. I'm not going to make it. I've, I've got to go home and get another car. I'm going to be late. My boss is like, you just did what? Why don't you stay home tonight? Just don't worry about it. Reschedule. Stay home. And that night, right, I'm sitting in bed. I could not sleep. What if? Yeah. What Especially if? since you went left because of the oncoming yeah. traffic. Right. A whole, whole lot of things could happen. Right. What if Damn. I walked away without a scratch? What if my daughter at the time was one? So did you change your habits with? I realized work was not as important as my family or my life, and I started to say no. Yeah, that's that's and, a good lesson. And each job I had after that, I would, in the interview process, let them know that here is my family and here is my wallet. There is no amount of money they can put into my wallet that will take me away from my family. I had that realization at the radio stations when I realized, who's going to stand around my deathbed? None of these people. Not and these people was upper management, right. you know, like that are, right. it's going for a little more. And I was like, you know what? Right. Well, it's not. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, last company that I worked for, I at least was a stockholder. You know, they had stocks and they gave me stocks. And so I was a stockholder. So I used to all the time go, look, as an owner of this company, I don't agree with that. <laughs> you yeah. know, so. And then I completely understand having a, something one is passionate about. And in their passion, that's kind of going back to our mom in a way. Like that's the mistake I see our mom make. 
is she wants everyone to engage in whatever she's passionate in in that moment. And and she doesn't see how... That's not the reality of the person she's engaging. Right. And what popped into my head is I remember talking about how she wanted kids where she was living in Nicaragua to move the stones out of the road and driveway. And like they're like not into it. And she's like, I don't get it. Why? Like, that's a great thing. And it's like, no, it actually isn't. For you, maybe. Right. For you, it might be. And that... Like back to the, back to Don Miguel Ruiz, that is her reality. Right. That is her reality, not the reality of the kids. Yeah. Now, if mom had given them ten Corbas rather than five <laughs> Cordobas or whatever they are. Right. And that's part of what we hear and all the people we listen to, right, is... is continually exploring what will like you're just saying like so if five corvas don't engage you in being excited about moving the stones how about ten? Oh yeah now I'm excited cool now we're working together like it, it's my responsibility to either walk away or find what will engage your passion what is going to spark that right right and you know, especially you and I've been down there, and it's, it is certainly a third world. Where right now it's beautiful, um, and you know, here in the United States, we're very we are ignorant as to how the rest of the world operates. Um, we think the rest of the world should be like the United States, and our government. Um, I think governs to that unfortunately Um, I'm a huge fan of Monroe and the Monroe Doctrine is you know we'll take care of the western hemisphere we'll take care of the United States you guys take care of yourselves but hey if you come over here and mess with us we're gonna we're gonna take care of you too (laughs) I get that um you know, ignorance. The kids, you know, why does mom want this? Why does she, well, mom knows from her experiences what she's asking for would probably be better. For people with a car. For people with a car. Not for a kid. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, right. There's the reality. You and know. who has the car? She's got the car. Right. Anyway, yeah. That's another thing I like to talk about is I don't mind ignorance. Ignorance can be taught. If you're not willing to be taught, you're not ignorant. You're just stupid. I just heard that. That's so funny. I was just talking about the podcast with Joe and Ted. Mm-hmm. That's what Ted just said. He said, ignorance is fine because you could go and learn something. And this is what he said. It's when you start protecting your ignorance, start defending it. Now you're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I love Ted Nugent. He's a good rock and roller. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a brilliant statement. And I I think that's real. Like when I start defending something I believe in 
strictly because I want to be right, you know, for whatever's right. going on inside my system. It's like I'm not letting this go, and and so I'm not listening. I'm not taking in. I'm not considering. I'm protecting my ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's what I said. Yeah, I'm, and with my children. You know, it's pretty obvious politically where Jennifer and I lie. Um, yeah, we we are both moderately conservative, meaning that fiscally we prefer to be conservative. Socially, we're more liberal, moderate, common sense. Um, so our children. You know, we'll talk to us about something. I'll go, well, you know, what do you think? You know, what research do you want to bring to the table? What do you know that I don't know? Because this is what I know. And this is where, you know, these are the sources I have to get me to where I'm at. What do you have that's different? What are you telling me? And let's discuss it. But my children have always been free to think for themselves. Um... You know, our oldest, unfortunately, is a lot like me in that sarcasm is probably rules his day more often than not. And he'll make, and and I used to do it when I was younger and his age, um, you push that button just to, just to poke the ignorance. Um, you know, I used to make... Um, Bigoted remarks are, are um, male chauvinistic remarks. Uh, had an English teacher that was very feministic, you know, in beliefs and staunch, and she taught that. And, you know, and I would come in class and go, hey, how many male chauvinists does it take to mow a lawn? Yeah, none. It's a woman's job. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. I don't, so now he makes remarks, and I know he doesn't mean it, but I'll look at him and go, no, you weren't raised that way. You weren't raised to think like that. Why would you even think that? And he's like, well, it's what I see. You know? And that, you know, I mean, you say, you know, he doesn't really believe it. But I think that there is a seed of truth in sarcasm. Right. And it comes out. Like, I think the Roseanne Barr thing, you know, I've even heard a couple of people <laughs> who are close to her say she's not racist in their experience. It, you know, and, she, right. and the whole Amblin thing and everything. But something inside is alive. And, right. And so it's like, it's like we're a garden and right. weeds. And, 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 you know, talking about when we went to Polytechnic. Um, yeah. So Polytechnic, San Marino, Pasadena, at the time that we lived there, um, I will say that it was like the city of Irvine at one time. I saw Bobby Slayton at a comedy club by UC Irvine in Irvine. And his opening joke was, you know, he got in late, got his rent a car, 
got to the hotel, got his briefcase out, put it on top of his car, you know, goes to the trunk, gets his suitcase out of the rent a car. It's midnight. He's really tired, did a long flight, flew across the country, whatnot. Shuts the trunk, goes into the hotel, checks into his room. Wakes up the next morning, he's looking for his briefcase, and he realizes he left his briefcase on top of his car in the parking lot of the hotel, and he's freaking out. And then he goes, and then I realized I'm in Irvine. All white, no crime, Irvine. San Marino Polytechnic. When we went to school there, it was pretty much all white, no crime. (laughs) Um, I think we had two um, black kids in the whole school. So when we moved to Hayward, I remember I was not a huge fan of moving to Hayward at the time. A, going from a private school to a public school, going from carpool to the school bus, I was going to get my ass kicked. The best thing I think our parents ever did for us was move us to Hayward. (laughs) Um, I don't see color. I don't see race. I see people. I see... um, to me, you fall into two categories. You're a person or you're an asshole. And an asshole can be any gender, any color, doesn't matter, any race, whatever, doesn't matter. We have different words for assholes. Um, and that's just a part of how the society has come around. You're still a human. Or you're an asshole. Okay, so now going back to Ruiz. Don Miguel Ruiz. Ruiz. Could be Ruiz. Do you think he uh, would say, in regards to the assholes, look for the human? Yes. Yes. And brings me back to ignorance and stupidity. If I can talk to you, if you're an asshole, but at least I can talk to you and you can sort of see where I'm coming from and open up a little bit of that shell and let your humanity out a little bit, then I can have a conversation with you. If you're just an asshole, I will choose to say, yeah, we're done, and I'll walk away. My reality, my choice. Uh, I challenge us. To keep, to see the human being, even when the door is thick and closed. Right, right. Don Miguel Ruiz talks a lot, a lot, well, not a lot, but I mean, he talks about, you know, Jesus Christ and, um, again, being brought up in this multi-religious household, um, and then going to school, going to college and taking biology and science courses um, you know being shown a fossil that's millions of years old <laughs> right um, Darwinism God love Darwinism seeing an idiot on a motorcycle going through traffic you know at 100 miles an hour I hope Darwinism <laughs> happens before they procreate um, <laughs> but Jesus Christ in my mind Existed, and he operated on a higher plane than most people of his time. Um, and he was the son of God, as I am, 
the Son of God um, to inside of you. He recognized it and was able to teach it. And if this world would follow the teachings of people like him and Moses and Carlos Castaneda and Don Miguel Ruiz um, and even Napoleon Hill, this, I think, world would probably be a better place. The humanity caring for your brother, and we're all brothers, we're all sisters. I love, again, you know, conservatively fiscal, fiscal conservative. Um, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. You teach a man to fish and they'll eat for a lifetime. I am willing to share my fish with you while you learn how to fish yourself. At this camp, summer camp, at a middle school that I'm working at right now, they have a sign on the wall. It says, don't look down on anyone unless you're lending them a helping hand up. Right. I was just like, like if we lived, and another one says, what if we saw everyone as spirits instead of bodies? Then what would we think is beautiful? Right. Come sail away. Thought that they were angels. Then to my surprise... Climbed aboard their starship and headed for the skies. Come sail away. That's a whole another <laughs> door to walk through. Yeah. Not so familiar with that door, but I know some people who are very familiar with that door. Yeah. Like, you know, and to, again, talk about realities. Like, I'm just having had a bit of taste of that whole IT thing, ET. Like okay, that's way too much for me to handle right now. I don't even know. Like, but I don't know, so I'm not gonna say you're wrong. I'm not gonna call you a liar because I have no idea. Yeah, and that's I'll tell you that my wife and my daughter, I call them white witches. You know, they are in touch with the afterlife. They, um, they talk to our father much more than I do, and I wish I was able to, but I won't get on a Ouija board or anything like that I just I, I won't do it that's not me it's, I'm not comfortable there um, I don't like watching horror flicks <laughs> right um, I, and I truly believe that when you and I were younger and our children were younger I believe that there were times when dad would sit behind our sons and go say this your dad will think it's funny do this your dad will love it (laughs) I'm sure because dad had a wicked sense of humor and I'm sure it's like yeah I may not be able to physically interact with my grandkids but we're going to have some fun. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy my grandkids at your expense. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's my belief. Yeah, say this. Your dad will think it's funny. Really. Did you think it was funny? 
No, I'm sure I did not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you think Dad was like, yeah, remember that time you took the car to L.A. and I was in France saying, no, I really don't want that to happen? Oh, yeah. Check this out. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Ah, that's so funny. Right. I mean, that's... Right, you know, John was two or some, you know, two. And the time we still had like 22 quarter horses on the ranch. And, you know, so the pastures were foxtails and star thistle and... Um, John wanted one morning to go out and see the horses and it was still early in the morning um, and I said no you know, I'd probably just woken up after working all night um, so I didn't get much sleep it was 8 or something in the morning maybe I'd just gotten home and it could have been earlier so you know no you, you don't you know not right now you're still in your pajamas no and uh goes back to whatever bedroom he's in and I'm sitting at the kitchen table eating a bowl of cereal or something and this little blonde head goes past <laughs> the window <laughs> and by the time I got up and got out there John is halfway out in the pasture heading for the horses you know <laughs> and I'm sure dad went you just push the screen out that window, John, and you can go right out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, John's... That's hell of a... I can see the justice in, like, now you know what it's like for your no to have no meaning whatsoever. <laughs> right. Just as I did when I was in France. Right. right. Oh, really, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know what I love? Talking about evolution. This is what I love. That it doesn't matter what we choose. It's all spiritual. Like evolution is saying our children are going to be more advanced than we are. Yes. The evolution of process process didn't stop. Didn't like, you know, oh yeah, 1916 we stopped evolving, you know. 20 BC, we started, whatever. And if, as you say, if our world operated from that train of thought, our children are more advanced than we are, and we should be continually allowing for their advancement before ours. So in essence, you know, quite often they may know the answer better than we do. Right. Yeah. And there's, you know, so what I said, you know, God created man. Yes. Yes, he did. But I also, again, believe in Darwinism. I believe in evolution, right? Um, I had some wonderful conversations when I lived in Southern California at the beach. Um, good friends of mine, um, Jehovah Witness and one's wife, she and I would have some wonderful conversations and she'd give me books to read. And these books would talk about how the fossils were hoaxes. Science, you know, that was a hoax. God created man 3,000 years ago. Um, you know, now it's probably 
3,500 years ago. Or yeah. like but, and, I, and, you know, and she and I, we wouldn't argue, but we'd have conversation. And I always would take the side of science. And, um, but, you know, like I said, I believe in God. I believe in a higher power. Because even in the Big Bang, you know, that's how this universe started, whatever. Great. Where did that spark come from? Where, you know. Right. That's what I, me, like just God is creation. Right. And so exactly what you're saying, where is that element of matter coming from? Right. And disclaimer, we have not smoked anything. We have not drank anything. We have not taken anything. The scene in the animal house where they're all high as a kite at Donald Sutherland's apartment sitting in the... So you mean that there could be a whole universe and a speck of dust? It's very possible. And what I also love is I think there's an element in staying up here. Like you and I can pontificate forever about all sorts of theories and possibilities and who fucking cares if a kid's starving in the street or getting their arm blown off because some maniac thinks, I want to be in office. This is the right way. Right. This is the only way. Right. Right. No, exactly. And and who are we to take that maniac out? Right. And that's where it gets really... Sticky and weird. Sticky and weird. Right. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Let me love let me love this person. Maybe this person doesn't have enough love in their life. And it's not even maybe they don't have enough love. I think Jesus Christ saw, like you're saying, saw God in you. Saw God in Donald Trump. Saw God in whoever it is in charge of Nicaragua right, right now. Saw God Daniel Ortega. I always Noriega and Ortega just mix up forever in my head home. But like the crack dealer, the the saint, that like every moment, right. And then again, sticky and deep, you get into the whole Aboriginal aspect of this is all the dream world, and the real world is you know, and right. John Rasta, and as you and I are talking, my understanding, I heard this from Bodie, that there's a march going on in San Francisco, like probably across the country, about the kids who are ending up. Now, in cages, now here's, but if it's real, and I haven't checked it out personally, I do think I have seen proof of families being ripped apart and kids taken from their parents. That is, that is the law and the ordinance. It's inhumane. The law and the ordinance of um, Nazi Germany, was that to be followed? No, right, right. So what I'm saying is, if you don't like the law, change it. So the reality is, if you and your daughter are driving down the street and you randomly decide you're going to hit this guy on the bicycle and the police eventually catch up to you, you broke the law, are going to go over here and your daughter is going to go over there. And they're going to take your daughter and put her somewhere until your wife or somebody in the family, if they can get a hold of them, 
can come take care of your child. It's the same situation where they're breaking the law. We're going to persecute you for breaking the law. We're going to, you know, whatever persecute may not be the right word, but we're going to enforce the law. Right or wrong, that's the law. Prosecute. Prosecute. Thank you. Prosecute. Um, there would be some extreme people that would say persecutes the proper word. Right. Um, again, you know, whether I agree with it or not, that's the law as it's written, and um, you know the courts are backed up with so many cases of people coming over and wanting amnesty and wanting to come in. But I can see why the frustration of waiting ten years, you know, to try to get into a court of law, why you would take your chances in doing it illegally. You put your child at risk. Right, but it also could be out of ignorance. An individual may not know the options available right. to them. Right. And I do know two people who married um, people who were citizens of different countries and the pain that they've gone through to legally do it right. has been... Right. Our, our mom um, you know, had to a- apply at least twice for Nicaragua right? to become a citizen of Nicaragua she was denied the first time and then finally redoing paperwork or something like that you know was done a second time right and she has resources financial resources right. being a big challenge often right right knowing who to talk to and there is an element still of like all this sort of up here, but you have an instance where this kid is in pain. Mm-hmm. Does, and are there some other choices this adult world can make where that isn't experienced? Right. No, I agree. There are. And and let's change it. Let's let's rewrite um, the laws and let's change it. I think I could not be a border agent. Right, because I'd probably be the one that says, "Yeah, yeah, sorry, just make it suntish." You know, I'm not not doing that. Um, or, you know, hey, this is what's going to happen. Chill. We'll take care of it later. You know. It's it's. I don't believe, at least, you know, I don't know, but I choose to believe that the people that are actually dealing with it on a daily basis, the Border Patrol, they've got a lot of shit on their plate, and they are dealing with it the best they can. Yeah. You know, the, you know... Child slavery is huge. Drugs, gun running, you know, slavery in general, bringing people into the United States because some wealthy person thinks their house needs to be cleaned for next to nothing, you know, every day. I'm sure I could do that. 
I choose to live in a mess instead. <laughs> Someday I may be able to afford a housekeeper at a you know proper wage. But why? <laughs> My house will just be a mess anyways. Well, it gets cleaned up. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, probably have to get rid of at least three dogs and three cats and maybe four birds before I get to that point. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, the dog hair is just... Yeah, it's a constant... And living out in the country, you know, you can vacuum and get rid of the cobwebs and five minutes later there's dust and cobwebs. That's true in Mill Valley. You don't have to go out in the country for that reality. So, how long does this show last? It's a beautiful